Everybody, welcome back to another Q&A here. I am Aaron. Alexander, of course, is with us, and we are discussing the just philosophy. And of course, we were absent two weeks ago, so we have a lot of hungry minds out there, in a very inquisitive minds, ready to ask many questions. And we will discuss the last two episodes that we've put out since our last Q&A, as well as anything out there that you guys have. So please leave any questions that you have as we are going along and discussing this in the comments below, or you can of course join us in our Zoom. And the link is on our Facebook page and in our Facebook group and in the event that we set up. So Alexander, how are you doing? Doing well, thank you for uh, joining us everyone. And of course, thank you to Aaron for, for being here. It's been a little bit of a whirlwind weekend for me. I had some family, a death in the family to tend to this weekend. So sending blessings, blessings to my families and appreciate all the support to all the listeners out there. And um, it was a wonderful gathering and I saw some beautiful conscious communication happen. Um, so I really have been looking forward to, to tonight and sharing the last couple of episodes we've released and any questions that people may have um, around the Just Philosophy and the Wise Wise podcast. So I first wanted to point out that I am not yellow tonight. <laughs> I, did, I did finally get some uh, white light bulbs, so I won't be like Trump. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, so I, of course, I'm going to start out with pulling a card from the Animal Spirit uh, deck. And earlier, before you guys joined, I pulled Hawk, which is pretty mm -hmm. cool. And Hawk represents watchful, all-seeing messenger of divinity. The sharp eyes of the hawk watch our every move. This keen-eyed bird has the ability to see every little detail as well as the bigger picture. When this card appears, fate has its eyes on you and the winds are shifting. It is said that the hawk carries news upon its wings and is sent from divinity itself to deliver it. The message should not be taken lightly Though it may seem small or insignificant, it will eventually redirect your course. When in balance, we see clearly and we feel intuitive. When we're out of balance of hawk energy, uh, we see too much and we can become suspicious. So let's all just take a moment to take all that in and see if that applies to any of us or we can gain any insight from that. And I'd like to add a little bit to that Hulk message that many times when we are um, looking to grow, part of growth is dealing with the friction in our lives. And part of that Hulk's message is many times when we are too judgmental of who's bringing the message or how the message is being presented, we miss a lot of the message. And so pay attention to this is directly connected to making love with friction in the lot, your life. The whole point of that is to take what's being presented. You see that it's frictional and not run from it, but to lean into it and realize that it does have gifts for you. And sometimes we miss big gifts because either we don't respect who's trying to give the message or, um, or the way it's being presented and remember that our emotional reaction is our very first sign of whether we need to look at the message or not. And the more emotionally reactive we are, 
please consider that you may need to look at whatever that person is saying, however they're saying it, because um, the more you want to resist it, more than likely, the more that there's some truth in it. So, um, so right on time with that Hulk medicine. Yeah, I feel like that was great insight to that, Alexander. And I appreciate you jumping in and sharing that. Um, I did want to pose a question for the audience, those who have joined us thus far. Uh, if you want to think about this and answer the question in the comments, if you'd like it read out loud, we will. Um, but we're going to try to ask a few questions throughout the night. And the first is, what is your biggest learning experience or, or the turning point in your uh, self-development journey? And of course, uh, two episodes ago, I shared that mine was the, the very s simple understanding that priorities hold so much weight, at least in, in my personal experience, um, that just uh, revelation in my journey helped me to change many things. So it took me like two and a half years of working with Alexander and working with this philosophy to finally realize that priorities were um, something that I needed to take seriously and just comprehend. And then once I did that, it allowed me to cement a lot of the other information that I had learned previously and incorporate all that and build that into my life to, you know, as a more permanent foundation. So I want to know uh, what are some of the revelations as, you know, big or small that they are in your self-development journeys thus far. Um, and with that, I want to go into the first question to get this kicked off, which is uh, priorities, intentions, and goals. These things kind of seem similar when we think about them mentally. But Alexander, I want to ask you, what are the differences between priorities, intentions, and goals? Well, first of all, I'd like to start with priorities being viewed as part of a structure. Like you're, you're setting mental priorities so that you have a, a structure to follow. And intentions is kind of the energy that's behind uh, that structure uh, or interest in why you want those priorities and goals is something that typically people use to project into the future so that they can keep track of their progress so to say so we want to stay in intentions rather than expectations and expectations is connected to disappointment, of course, where intention is you merely set a direction and then trust is involved. Uh, trust in whether it's your life or other people or the divine's plan or however somebody wants to direct that trust. So I think it's a very good question to bring up because they are all linked, um, but people can get all of these confused and see even with goals, Goals can be very easily connected to, um, to wanting to complete something, and that's outside of like intentions. That's you know plans. It's it's where it's where you hold on to the outcome. And so when people are setting goals, it's very important that you realize that that you can get caught into self judgment, even guilt that if you don't meet a certain goal. So, 
So setting goals doesn't work the same for everyone. For some people, it is, uh, it helps them to be driven. For others, it can be debilitating because they can't manage the guilt that it brings on. So, so these are all very delicate terms, but all in the process of truly being successful in self-development work or any type of work. And in building on that, which would you uh, pose as the most important if we were working within this philosophy and, and overall energetic wellness? Well, from most important view, I would say we want to hold the, the idea of the tree that we want to be firm and rooted and grounded, but be flexible simultaneously. And that's why I like to use that visual because it's hard for people to understand how to be firm and steady and consistent, but yet flexible simultaneously. And so that's why intentions are so important. But sometimes life shows us that the direction that we're going and holding an intention for, we need to make a slight adjustment. And so this is where resistance may show up in our lives. And sometimes we need to persevere and push through the resistance. And sometimes we need to see that it's a message suggesting another slight change or shift. And when people ask me how to differentiate between those two differences, it comes back to um, personal preferences and how you are handling the doors closing in front of you. Are they creating more resistance, more doubt? Then if they're creating more doubt, then you may need to persevere and push through them and not allow excess forces or outside forces to dictate your, your drive. If you're coming to door closing or resistance, but it's not affecting you emotionally, then that's a good sign that these are like little nudges from the universe, the divine saying, maybe you need to make a slight adjustment here. So see it is that choice of whether to persevere and push through or to trust that it's a message is directly connected to these emotions and our resistance. And that's why the emotions and not suppression of them, but processing of them and managing of them is so, so important. And that's connected to intention. Intention just is going in a certain direction, but it's with flexibility. Intention is directly connected to that visual of a tree being steady, but flexible simultaneously. Okay, so we have some answers from our first question flowing in, which was, what is your biggest learning experience or turning point on your self-development journey? Michelle has chimed in and said, being introduced to Alexander, so you get props there, uh, sound healing and human design, all important and empowering. Understanding how we operate on an energetic level has allowed her, or me in her case, uh, to be more compassionate towards herself and others. Um, also, uh, Kristen says, for me, it's been a combination of a lot of things, modalities, but most recently, it's been the realization that enlightenment comes when you stop trying too hard to seek and just be in the, or seek it and just be in the present moment. Um, and also, it's important to not only focus on staying on top on top of a mountain and only wanting those peak experiences, uh, but you come down the mountain too and embody those experiences, integrating them into our daily lives. Yes, all well said. And uh, hello, Michelle. Thank you so much for, for chiming in and, and, um, 
And that last comment was very Kristen. beautiful as well. Yeah, yep. and uh, and Claire said she resonates with both. So I think that's she's going to take a little from both. <laughs> and uh, we got one more on YouTube from one of my conspiracy friends, Val, who um, so I resonate with this. I know some people won't, but she said uh, hers was real, realizing the Illuminati aren't really that bad. And we can, you know, pull in from our polarity and duality episode, and we even did one on conspiracy theories, uh, realizing that you know we don't need to live in that duality where there are bad people out there. It's necessary for for that good to also exist if we want, you know, if that's viewed as bad. Um, uh, that America has a very special destiny, and the Templars worship the goddess. So some people may not resonate with that or understand it, but others might because a lot of uh, my friends out there do chime in occasionally yes and one thing that i wanted to bring in uh about the second comment i believe it was from Kristen, is rumi has a similar quote um jalaluddin rumi that says that 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 we seek the more we seek it the further we push it away and this is very complex for people to understand that have gotten into the manifestation and the ability to manifest and really focused on on that because it's a it's a very different uh, concept and process and of course we we do talk about that there are manifestors out there but they happen to be eight to ten percent of the population and so there there are different ways to co-create so to say and that's what when we get specific and help people break down their human design and their uh, destiny cards or numerology system it helps to understand how we fit in mathematically with uh, the planets from a frequency standpoint. So, so all of this type of astrology or, or birthday based information is really backed by mathematics and physics and, and how we relate to the mathematics of the planets when we come in here. So it's very similar to the so-called DNA that's passed on through our genes from our parents. We have earthly parents and then we have so-called cosmic parents. And, uh, and that's what gives us the complete view and how we approach this whole philosophy. And we did have one more come in from Jenny, who said uh, a few of her favorite observations in her self-development path has been the strengthening of her intuition, seeing clear shifts in her relationships and uh, experience, experiencing deeper connections with source and nature. And I can also say that uh, seeing shifts in my relationships has definitely been uh, a, a message to me that I'm I am doing something that is uh, of benefit to me and that I have actually been doing work on myself and it is paying off. Right. right. And yes, uh, shout out to Jenny as well. Thank you for chiming in and sharing, but yes, getting, getting that deeper connection to, um, to source, to nature, to those relationships around us. Um, all of that is, is a big part of this philosophy and and i love hearing other people you know sharing that uh, other ways and and insights they've had even outside of the philosophy uh through through the walk of life and and these are the types of conversations that we love generating in the wise wise podcast community um our facebook page and these live events this is exactly why we're bringing this stuff together to help people share their their experiences rather than just hearing uh aaron and i talk all the time yes yeah i love i love uh when other people ask the questions not that i want the uh 
the work to not fall on me, <laughs> but it is refreshing because often they are perspectives that even I don't catch and, and, you know, can bring to the table to ask you. So uh, if anybody out there has questions, feel free to post them as we go along. Um, we have a full, full slate tonight um, between the notes that I took from the last two episodes to even some questions that people sent in prior to this episode. Um, so I'm going to start off with uh, a question that I, act I actually had and I wanted you to touch upon when in relationships, and um, I'm not even sure we even touched upon this in that episode, but when in relationships, how important or what are the roles that consideration plays in our communication uh, versus authenticity slash like speaking our minds? Well, with that, I would like to bring in uh, the second chakra or creativity and how important remember creativity, creative energy, sexual energy, and worry energy are all very similar energy being dispersed three different ways. So anytime you're worrying, you need to uh, be creative as soon as possible. And so working to bring that creativity into how you speak your mind. So I tell, suggest to people to, you know, always speak your truth, but speak it in a way that it won't create a negative ripple. So this is where uh, speaking with poetry, even uh, an example that many people have heard me use, but I think it's a really good one is, you know, if somebody asks, asks me how I'm doing and maybe I'm having just a heavy a day, day, my emotional centers filled in. So I, I am on the emotional roller coaster ride. And so if I'm having a heavy day and somebody asks me how I'm doing, I don't want to just say good or great uh, like we're kind of taught to in our culture. I want to be truthful. So I will say something like, you know, I brought a baseball bat to a football game today, or I feel like I'm an orange in an apple kind of world. And many times it will get a chuckle or a laugh from the other person, but they will get the vibe that I'm just not resonating with the day or I'm just not having that great of a day but it doesn't create any negative ripples. So I'm all about suggesting authenticity because the soul, uh, our internal struggle is when we verbally say something that isn't in alignment with our spirit or our soul. And so this is what may be termed internal hell. And so how we, how we project our truth is very important. And so this is where manners can come in. And sometimes manners can interfere with so-called enlightenment or consciousness because it, it keeps people from expressing themselves authentically. So taking it to that next step of taking that responsibility and going, no, I can be truthful. I can be authentic and I can be, I can do it in a way that doesn't send out any negative ripples. And that is the art of relating so, so, you know, I like to talk about conscious relating instead of just conscious relationships because relationships is all about relating. And when we're more interested in truly how our energy and our words affects that relating to someone, that's when we're going to get more so-called positive results because that is the most considerate thing to do is to say something in a way that can be received rather than just the way you want to say it. So that's the art is slightly shifting the way that you say it with words in maybe a poetic or comedic way to get the truth across without um, 
being what some people say passive aggressive is is it doesn't come across that way when you are authentic and truly wanting to communicate uh, where you're really at with someone. Yeah. And let's, let's just take it a step further. So if you're, if you're feeling friction with your significant other, is it, is it important to be considerate in that moment and, and really be impeccable with your word and the, the words that you're choosing so that you don't, so that you communicate uh, in a way where your message is received and the triggers that you may know about that person aren't hit? Or is it more important to be uh, your authentic self and be able to, uh, you know, in a way, um, express yourself the way you're feeling in that moment? Well, I think that's a great question. And, you know, uh, I want to approach that from a standpoint of you get people to receive when they feel safe. And if they don't feel safe, they're not likely to receive very much at all. So in the, in the initial contact, it's making someone feel safe from my perspective is the most important. And sometimes that means that that's not the optimum time to speak your opinion, which some people may take to a point to say your truth. But if you sit there and you don't look at it as you're restricting and you're you're being forced to not speak your truth, but you simply are looking at it as this isn't the right time. You know, in the philosophy, we bring up right time, right place, right person, right duration. Those are the steps that we go through before we uh, even bring up a subject or a response. And when somebody is already in an emotional reaction, uh, conscious communication and emotions don't normally uh, coincide at the same time. So that's why if someone's emotional and they're in an emotional reaction to just speak your truth at that time, even if you try to do it poetically, it's a small likelihood that it's going to be received to where if you do are able to show compassion and you show that there's not a force or an immediate need to get your point across, then many times that's what will make that person on the other end feel comfortable and feel safe and many times, if you are able to make them just feel safe and that you're not reactive, they will do the magic thing of asking a question. And when that happens, your success level of being heard and being understood really, really raises. So, so it's not just about rolling over. Part of learning to stand in your power is knowing that you carry power even when you are seems like you're being passive or you're being considerate of someone else that that's not you being stepped on or rolling over uh, just because in that moment at that time you're not speaking your so-called truth and standing in your power so consideration and timing as many people have heard me say time doesn't exist but timing is the most important variable and this is a good example of that timing is getting a person to feel safe and out of the emotions first before going into that so-called speaking your own truth um, because it should be about communication rather than drawing a line in the sand, so to say. And uh, so I'll just chime in here and say my experience with that, again, has been in order for me to do that, I've had to set a priority in my life that I am going to communicate this way going forward and make that pause and be impeccable with my word. And of course, 
it, it wasn't just like that one time and I was able to do it. It did take practice and incorporating and I did fail a ton and uh, I was pretty hard on myself. So um, <laughs> don't, don't try not to do that people um, because it, you know, it can set you back a little bit if you are too hard on yourself and too yes, judgmental. And, and speaking on that, you know, I want everyone to hear this very clearly that we are repetitious beings and I mentioned this to Aaron before we come on the air and we need to practice stuff. See, we're, we're very bad at thinking that once we hear something that we know it and knowing is not enough. Then we think with that, we understand it, but understanding is part of the process of practicing, taking the knowledge and then putting it into practice. And then that becomes wisdom. So see, just because you have heard something and you can even repeat it and maybe you can explain it does not mean that you understand it. So practice is so important and we shouldn't beat ourselves up or especially really even expect anything out of ourselves before we practice something up to a hundred times. So understanding that most of our hardships that we struggle with in life is from repetitious patterns. Some of them have been passed down to us from our family, our family lineage, and some we've created ourselves. And the way to change these patterns is through repetitious action of the polarity of it. Just knowing it and changing it mentally isn't enough. And we'll bring up again the five levels that you'll hear me say over and over and over. The physical, the mental, the emotional, the energetic, and the spiritual or religious. All five of those levels need to be approached. And we are a culture that gets stuck in the mental level and tries to fix things from the physical level. And most people leave out all of these other levels uh, and it's it limits wellness on all areas. So once again, that's what we're excited about sharing in this, that whatever issue you have going on in your life, know there are five levels to work on with that. And uh, we'll continue to expand on that and get out of just thinking that the mental level is enough. And, uh, and lots of our culture gets stuck in that just because they have heard it or read it. They think they know it. And um, we need to take it a few steps further. So that repetition. And so, see, accepting failure is so important to that because success is going to be made through mainly 70% or better. So, see, you have 30 failures out of 100 before you should even start to be considering worrying about whether you're truly going to fail at this or not. It's similar to the grade system. <laughs> That's, you know, 70, somewhere right around there, the late 60s, 70 is, is the passing and so this is why I tell people, be gentle on yourself through the failings. That's how we learn what not to do. It's part of the process. Give yourself 30 failures before you start worrying about whether you're truly failing or not. Thank you, Alexander. So I'm going to go into our first question. Uh, and this was asked by Lacey, who she sent it in beforehand, just in case she wasn't able to make it tonight. So Lacey, if you're watching on the rerun, this is your question. And it's, it's actually a very uh, two or three step one. So um, why does feeling bad feel so gratifying sometimes? Well, I think, uh, once again, we have to remember that this is the plane of polarity. And we are designed to have both experiences, whether it's seen as life and death, uh, day and night, um, you know, birth and death, rather. Uh, these polarities 
uh, is part of our path. And so many times people will self-sabotage themselves that they'll get in the best relationship they've ever been, the best job, best situation. And this story is heard through like documentaries all the time of people rising to the top and then it all crumbling down because boredom is found in repetition. And even if people start to feel too much good, they can start to yearn for that so-called bad without consciously being aware of it or, or feeling um, uh, good about it. And so this is self-sabotage that many people do on a subconscious level. They'll ruin relationships. They'll ruin jobs, many opportunities. Uh, and it's because they, A, may have deserving issues and may just not feel like they deserve the so-called good only. And that's something very deeply to look at because that needs to be worked on if that's the case. And, and all of this is about discipline and structure to accept that, oh, maybe I'm going to want to do this to, to initiate some pain or some discomfort, but you know what? I'm not going to, I'm going to stay disciplined and see normally somebody can work through that in a 24 hour period. And that will shift. If it doesn't shift, pay attention to who you're around because you may be being influenced by where they're at. Um, so, so yes, this is multidimensional, but it is very common for people to so-called self-sabotage and want to feel some, some so-called bad look at deserving issues and work on that. And of course we can help in that or look at that. It's just almost like that little, little so-called devil on your shoulder saying, Hey, let's mess this up. Let's, let's feel some of this pain. Let's create some discomfort. And you just say, no, no, I've lived in that discomfort too long. I've lived in that pain too long. I'm ready to set that to the side, but thank you for showing your head. Once again, respect it, but, you know, recognize it, respect it, and then just redirect it into another direction. But that is more common than most people would think. Yeah. And she did go on to say, uh, are we just hardwired to get a high off victimhood or is it like our programming? Um, and, she did go on to ask, uh, are there any mantras or exercises uh, to help remind us that healthy behavior or thoughts are more, um, more gratifying than, than being more chore-like? Or is yeah. it just the, the self-discipline? Well, another, another big part of this is the environment, especially the environment uh, that you were in from zero to seven years old. And so many times, see... People can find comfort in dysfunction if it's what they were used to in those formative years. And so once again, someone can get away from that lifestyle, but then almost find a certain sense of comfort in it when there's friction going on. And, and this can be called drama. And so people will just create drama where it's not needed because they, it can make them feel comfortable. So part of that, you know, whether it's working with a, a mantra is, you know, you can create a mantra or something like when you notice that you're doing that, that my past does not have to dictate my present and my future. Something to see that's, once again, we're recognizing it, we're respecting it, and then we're just redirecting it. And we can say uh, something like, uh, thank you for that tool. Yes, I was comfortable in chaos. I had to find comfort in chaos. And now I choose to find comfort in supportive energies or blah, 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 to redirect what actually feels supportive. And for some people, dysfunction can actually feel supportive. 
And um, I've heard people say before that in their family, everything was good as long as there was fighting and yelling going on. It was when someone got quiet that they got scared. And see, that's, that's a training. That's a training. So those people will move forward in their relationships, creating friction in their relationships subconsciously and not knowing why, just so that they feel, see comfort in that, in that friction. That's another good example of that. And in my experience, uh, when I was younger, I mean, up until I started doing this work, I would find comfort in, in pain and feeling sorry for myself, pity for myself. And, you know, then I, I would redirect that, you know, not knowing what I was doing into art. And so I would then when I was happy, I'd be like, well, I can't really make uh, poetry, good poetry when I'm, when I'm happy. So, so like, I don't know. I, it's not like I would put myself situations just to feel that, but I would enjoy in a way feeling very deep into those, those types of uh, situations. But I did want to say that, you know, I also kind of um, felt this, this type, this question uh, while I was doing the work and would I be satisfied in, in doing the, um, the more good uh, and, and sort of speak. Um, but the more I've opened up about and, and become vulnerable with everybody in my life, the more it's become gratifying. I, don't, I was going to say addicting because in a way it is sort of addicting uh, mm -hmm. it, because I, I now get like a high off being vulnerable. It's a release. A yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and I mean, I think you just did a great job describing that because many artists will say that, that they lose their creativity when they get joyful or, or things are going good. And this is part of that self-sabotage that they will actually create something to happen in their life so that they continue to feel creative rather than shifting their style of creativity. And uh, as we, as you do work with the vulnerability, as you have certainly been doing over the last few years, that, that shifts to where you see that you can actually get this feed in another way. And it's through being vulnerable because what that does is it makes others more comfortable to share parts of them. And then you get to reach a level of depth. So see that a different level of depth and that's what feeds that soul. I call it soul food. And if you're not able to reach depth with people, see sorrow is the way to connect uh, just the most quickly with somebody is if they're in sorrow and they hear a song that's about sorrow or they watch a, a movie. See, when somebody's in that emotional state and they can listen or watch something that is projecting that emotional state, that's the connectivity. But sometimes people will just listen to music or watch movies that keep them in that space because they don't want to connect with people on deeper levels. So it's a, it's a pulling inward and vulnerability is about opening up and showing and revealing yourself and vulnerability brings discomfort itself. We, you can get attacked. It can be, it can be more, uh, it can hurt deeper faster. But the thing is, is that you get rewards to help. I call it put band-aids on those wounds because you connect with people at a deeper level and you see people for who they really are and you're able to project more authenticity and that's what starts to, as you said, becomes the addiction 
So rather than relating people on this low vibration, it's, hey, let me reveal something about myself that I carry a sensitivity to. And when that other person goes, wow, thank you so much. This is where I carry sensitivity. See, that's connecting with people at a, a deeper level and a more authentic level. And it feeds the soul so much more. And getting back to what you said about drama, I think I've said this before, but you know, when I was younger, I enjoy drama. I think we all do at some point when we're, when we're young and uh, don't know a lot, <laughs> don't have that wisdom built up. Um, but now uh, I will watch like sports or entertainment to get that drama so that I don't have that sort of feed or draw in my life, you know, to bring that in, or at least I try to. Yes. Yes. And that, you know, that can happen on many different levels. As a matter of fact, this, you know, weekend with my family, I happen to, um, of course, be doing a lot of observing and a lot of holding space and being part of a lot of challenging conversations. And, but one of the things I noticed was there's a, a 13 year old niece that I have and I was just hearing her. She was talking about to a younger niece that they were going to watch some type of movie. And she really wanted to watch some type of horror movie. And she kept saying horror, horror, horror. And I was trying to, I was voting for comedy. And then I asked her, I said, why is that? And she said, because it's more of an experience. It's like you feel it more when you're scared. And so see, that is like out of the mouths of babes, so to say, that that most people are looking for stimulation. Um, unfortunately, she's gone through some very challenging events in her life, and she does still need some assistance with processing some of that. And right now, because she is potentially closed down emotionally, see, these are the people that need things at extremes to feel anything. And so, of course, it was a it was a little yellow flag for me, and um, but it wasn't the time to um, – to approach, you know, working with that, it was just an observation and, and that is more than likely something that will be established in her to work through uh, things to have to need to be a certain level of intensity to carry any stimulation. And that's very common for people that shut down early in life from traumatic events that, that they've gone through. Um, so that's another example of, of how people, you know, process things. Okay, a uh, question from Claire. Uh, when we're allowing ourselves to truly experience our feelings, how do we communicate with loved ones what we're trying to do, especially if we've always played uh, a much different role around them than uh, such as an entertainer or being stoic than what we're kind of uh, trying to grow into now or change into? Great, great question and shout out to Claire. Um, Great question that because once again, we're talking about relating and that that's what, when we're trying to share with people where we're at or what we're doing, I happen to feel that one of the best places to start is that vulnerability. And the fact that most people are having these conversations, don't know what they're doing or where they're going, but can be challenged to just say that. And, uh, I had to utilize that with some friends and family uh, back over 20 years ago to, to say, they would say, well, what are you doing? I mean, what, what is your plan? And I would say, you know, I, I don't, really don't know. And I'm not pretending to know what I do know is what has been exemplified to me that doesn't work. 
and I'm not judging it. I'm just saying that I want to experience something different. Therefore, I have to try different things. Just because I try something doesn't mean that it's my new truth. It just means that I'm inquisitive. So that can be broken down to say, you know, I'm just approaching life more childlike. Now, some people are going to judge that and say, no, you need to be responsible. You need this. You need that. Blah, 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 blah. But that's the thing about relating and communicating with people is it's not important that they understand you. It's just important that you do your absolute best to deliver it in a way that doesn't create resistance. Time will take care of the understanding because you're basically just planting a seed. They can't understand when you don't understand. <laughs> and this is the perpetual frustration that happens that people won't want others like loved ones and family to love and accept them. Uh, but when they get asked questions, you know, they're challenged to answer them. And so the part of the authenticity is just going, you know what, I really don't, I'm not saying I know exactly what I'm doing, but this is what I've learned. See, stop projecting the relating or the communication on the future and just say, you know, I don't necessarily know where I'm going, but this is what I've learned. I have learned that I needed to stop looking at things like this. And see, when you, when you pose something like that, you're not telling the other person what they should do. You're merely, merely saying, this is what I've learned, or in my experience is another great phrase to start with. Just in my experience, what I've learned is that, you know, in my family, for exa example, all of my siblings are alphas. They're all the so-called leaders of their families, and they carry the responsibility. So when we needed to make a, a decision around, like, our parents during illness or something, it, was, it could be challenging because everybody wanted to make the decision, so to say. So the situation in our family was nobody would listen. Nobody knew how to listen. So the very first practice that I did was what was hard is that I became the one that would just listen, the last one to give my opinion. When I did give my opinion, to give it in a way that I felt like they were most likely to understand it, to, to, to bend my opinion in a way that's going to be understood and received because you're building trust to get people to truly invest in you, to, to invest in a whole new way of approaching something. And that takes time, a seven-year span with, with most things, I like to suggest, especially family. Because when people change, friends and family thinks that it's just a, um, you know, a little tangent or a little distraction and blah, blah, blah. So you have to prove it with time. And that took over seven years with my family, but, but it did finally sink in. So I think that's a big part of it is if you're truly interested in relating, then you're going to pose all of your questions and all of your answers in ways that it can be received. And remembering that humility and vulnerability is what makes it most likely to be received. But the more vulnerable you are, the more vulnerable you are to their responses. So, see, that's, that's called, you know, sometimes we call that being a love warrior, that you realize that, that you're here to love and you're here to spread love and communication, but you're, you may get wounded doing it. And so what happens to pe many people of the light is they're so sensitive and they go out there and they open up, 
but then they get judged ridiculed and it shuts them down and they run away and they don't ever show that light again. And once again, we bring that analogy of the tree in to be rooted, but still be flexible and be able to bend when the storms come. So it's a great question. And it is all focusing around that. I want to be able to relate. I want to be able to communicate. I want to be able to be understood. So let me say it in a way that shows vulnerability, that shows authenticity and doesn't project what I am doing, but let me share with you what I have done. And that might help you to understand more the direction that I'm going. So talk about your successes and that uh, many times can entice people to at least be interested. But would you say that the more we are standing in our power or the more we put our flag in the ground about who we are, um, the least likely we are to be uh, triggered back when we're being vulnerable, you know, and hearing their responses? Yes, because uh, truly being sensitive in vulnerability, see, vulnerability doesn't have to be sensitive, but in the beginning it is because most people don't know how to do it. Vulnerability can be uh, very non-sensitive because the more solid you are in who you are, what you're about, what you are projecting, and I, you know, we can just call this branding, when you know what you're branding and you're clear in that, then that person can sit in the room with all kinds of other entrepreneurs and so-called people trying to brand themselves or their thing and not be intimidated in any way because nobody can do what you can do the way that you can do it. They may do it similar, but that's part of that confidence and really those roots going deep into the ground and yes, vulnerability shifts from sensitivity to strength. And that's what really helps people to learn vulnerability. And I do my best to exemplify that with, in, with everyone, but especially my inner circle uh, to share with them when I am going through a struggle, this is what I'm struggling with. This is my structure and my plan of what I'm doing. And then I allow time to play it out. But that doesn't mean that there's not times of, of suffering. Uh, but growth does involve a certain amount of suffering. But there's also the rewards. And so this is part of accepting the polarity view of life is that you don't get one without the other. But our experience is determined by the focus that we put on each. So see, just because we uh, uh, accept that there's going to be friction, there's going to be struggle in life, does, that struggle can be five minutes or it can be five years. That's up to each individual because that's up to your perception. But just accepting that that struggle is going to be there to me is part of this philosophy and ways to move forward because when you accept that something's going to be there, you won't be surprised by it. And when you're not surprised and caught off guard by it, you're more likely to emotionally respond rather than emotionally react. So in the interest of saving Alexander's voice because he doesn't have his throat chakra activated in human <laughs> design, we're going to take a quick break. So if you guys need to get a, a drink or use the, facilities, uh, please do so now. Um, we'll take maybe a two to three minute break. Um, if Alexander doesn't need to get up for any reason, maybe he'll, maybe he'll throw together some music for us. Maybe not. Um, I can always fill the time with talking because my throat chakra is activated. So I have plenty of energy. 
Yeah, feel free to um, to go ahead and talk. I think I will take a, sure. a little small break. It's been a long weekend and um, share with the people. All right. Um, so with everybody taking a break or not or hanging around, um, with us just you know recently talking about vulnerability, our next episode released, which will be next week, is on uh, vulnerability, which I don't think we've ever done an episode on it. I'm sure we've obviously touched upon it throughout our 64 episodes out there. Um, but this one is centered around vulnerability as the main topic. And then uh, our next one after that, I did, I did post this in our Wise Wise uh, Facebook community group. So if you're not a member and you would like to know what we're up to, uh, feel free to find that on our Facebook page. Uh, I believe you just go to facebook.com slash wise wise podcast and go to our community tab. It used to be the community tab. I know Facebook just updated their interface. It's uh, hard to find things now. <laughs> um, so I'm not sure if it is the community tab or not, but you should be able to find it there. And uh, in, it, in it, so we, we, or I'd recently posted about what our next two episodes were on. And I'm now struggling what our, <laughs> what our last episode was on uh, that we just recorded. I know it was a good one. Um, maybe I'll remember, but I did also want to say, um, yes, thank you, Claire. Thank you. It was the 360 degree view of emotional processing, uh, which was, which is a tool that, We've maybe briefly talked about on a podcast or two, but we do give it a whole episode. Um, so yes, Claire, thank you for chiming in with that. Uh, it escaped my mind. Um, so ways that you can support us. I don't uh, always remember to say this during our live Q and A's, um, but of course, Alexander and I are um, dedicating our time and our love. I mean, we do have lots of love for, for doing this, so it's not that big of a deal. But if you'd like to help us out, if you resonate with this information and want to uh, give back to us, you can do so by sharing the podcast episodes, inviting people to like our page, even though Facebook doesn't send our posts out to everybody. I think maybe only like 20 or 40 people actually see our posts. So sharing them on your personal page you know, finding like-minded people and talking about our episodes. I think word of mouth is, is, and, and you sharing your experience with the philosophy is the best way to help spread word of our podcast and the philosophy. Um, so it's not all about uh, giving back to us monetarily, uh, using your energy as well can help and go a long way in spreading this philosophy, this information, this wisdom, uh, and helping us grow and grow our community. And when our community grows and more people get this information, that it only helps everybody because we are going to build our community and get more experiences, more stories, more questions. And so it helps us build more of a well-rounded view um, and understanding for the people like myself learning all of this. Um, more people, more experiences, more stories, more questions, obviously just helps us all. Um, so sharing the podcast, you can also leave us uh, a rating and a review on iTunes. Of course, there are other places that um, you can do ratings and reviews, but iTunes is really the only one that really matters right now. Um, because the more ratings and reviews we get, the more it pushes that out 
And um, I'm not sure why I'm seeing Alexander's picture <laughs> right now. I don't know if my video failed. I'm back. Oh, I see you. All right. Oh, no. No, I think I'm still good. I think I was just seeing your picture there. So I was questioning whether something happened to the feed. Um, and then we're also on Spotify and YouTube. So if you want to subscribe to us there, I also think their metrics, the more views, streams, and uh, subscriptions that we get on that, the more they send it and, and recommend it to other people there. Um, so all of this just help helps us to ripple out. And uh, so far, we are taking a very organic approach at spreading this. Alexander and I have been doing this for um, two and a half years officially, uh, three and a half years because we did spend a year practicing in front of the mic and getting comfortable. Whew. Okay, so I just uh, talked. Uh, way to hold it down, third <laughs> chakra. Uh, I started getting sick of my own voice. <laughs> Um, okay. We didn't lose too many people. I do want to start out by asking another question. We did get two more, two or three more questions in that I okay. can ask you, but I did want to ask another question for people to reflect on and then they can give their, their view on this. Uh, okay. In our, one of our last two episodes, I can't remember which one it was. We talked about relationships and I wanted to ask the question, do you know why you are in a relationship if you are at this moment? And uh, do you know what you are looking to set or sorry, to get out of a relationship if you are or not in a relationship? Because uh, many times people don't, they don't take time to just think about that. And then reasons shift and change. And this is part of what creates confusion and miscommunication with lots of people in couples. Yeah. And I, and I think uh, in my past before getting into this, this work, uh, I think like many, uh, the majority of people, um, a relationship is just a reality, I guess. It's just what you do. Right. And for many people, it, you know, they get into a relationship to have children. Um, I think right now my goal, if I was to begin a relationship, it would be to practice my vulnerability and to practice these concepts that, uh, that I've been learning with you, Alexander. Right. And because I, I can't really know that they work officially and then kind of take them and cement them into, into me, into yes. being who I am until I can prove to myself that they work and I see mm. value in them. And see, and I think it's easy to see when we break it down like this, that if someone such as yourself and myself that's focused on learning and utilizing the relationship for that, and then you connect with somebody that's either looking to raise children or looking to be uh, successful in uh, career, like whatever the focus is, uh, if both focuses are, you know, different, then many times that's what eventually is going to create major communication issues it doesn't mean that you can't have a little bit different of a vision and some of that could be blended together but once again that's what we would suggest where we would suggest conscious communication and understanding how both parties are uh, designed and made up energetically and personality wise and then bring those wants and so-called goals or intentions in and be able to discuss how we're going to do this you know, and still everybody get what they wanted because I was part of 
that seeking that consciousness in relationship and the lessons was the most important thing, but I raised two children at the same time. But the thing was, is that the raising of the children was included in the self-development work that it was our whole tribe was doing this. It wasn't just something that I was doing by myself. So see, that's what I'm talking about that, that multiple facets can be blended as long as it's communicated. And the reason that we were successful at that was because Sherry, my partner at the time, the boy's mother, she was on board with all of this. And then we didn't push it on the boys. We just exemplified it. They absorbed it. And now they live it without even knowing anything different. So, so all of that is an art to bring those things together and communication is the biggest key. So if anybody wants to share, if they, you know, if they honestly know why they're in a relationship or maybe they don't and you want to, you want to share that you don't and just be honest and practice vulnerability to here tonight in front of, in front of everybody who uh, is part of our community and will probably not judge you. So I no, mean, and, there's a perfect opportunity there. Yes. And with that, you know, to realize that it doesn't have to be viewed as, as negative, but some people do come together and have children and then they're lost once the, there's an empty nest, so to say, and they look at their partner and they go, why am I with this person? And so, so that view doesn't have to be negative because through communication, you can birth something else new. It, it doesn't have to be a child. It can be a project. It can be a new career direction. So see, when, when something comes to an end, or you get clear on that you and your partner are at different stages or it's time for a new stage. All of this can be assisted through conscious communication, but before you go trying to communicate with your partner and ask questions, take the time to get as clear as you possibly can yourself first. And that's how you can support someone that maybe when you go to them, see what happens many times is people will take a little bit of information say from a podcast or a little episode like this and they'll go, yeah, I'm going to get clear and why I'm in a relationship. And they take whatever, 15 minutes to, to think about it. And then go, yeah, the kids are grown. They're out of the house. Now my priorities are different. And they go to their mate and they go, okay, why are you in a relationship with me? I've just, you know, and that can be, that can create, uh, resistance. It can almost feel like an attack. That's why we truly need time to process. It isn't as soon as we think we have it figured out mentally that we're going to be able to communicate it. That's a big failure of our country. We need, or our culture, we need to be able to, okay, see that I've changed this mentally. Now I need to sit with it with time and I need to practice it in certain areas before I attempt to go communicate it with somebody and just ask them their point of view. Now, if you go with vulnerability, you just go to your partner and you go, you know what? I'm realizing that I'm not sure why I'm in relationship. I think, you know, I, we were because of kids or whatever. And I'm just coming to you to like, Hey, do you care to talk about this? Like just openly of, of just having fun with it, you know, something like that. Um, but bombarding the person with direct questions when you've put little, a little bit of time, very little time in it is normally going to create resistance to where if you put time, weeks, months, even years into it, then when you go to that other person, you can understand why they're not going to have the answer at that time. And then you're going to be able to be patient with them to get to that 
answer because you know what it took for you to get to that answer yourself. And this is why I, I wish that people would just take a breath. And that's like an analogy for many, many things. Just always take a breath when you want to say something, when you want to do something, that slight pause can change the energy completely. And with breath here, I'm using it as with time to just give everything time to be new and then to all of a sudden over time and practice shift into it's not new anymore. It's, it's the new norm. And once it's the new norm, then that's when you're going to communicate it more optimally. And I would, I would even say, you know, being honest with yourself uh, creates space for something new to happen, whether it is to take your, your current relationship to another direction or, or another level or, you know, whatever needs to happen. But I would say always being honest with yourself uh, is going to release that stagnancy if there is some. Right. And, and with that honesty, when people are starting to look at these internal questions, especially where others are involved, you know, to sometimes we're surprised when we start to be honest and, and somebody can go, man, I don't feel like I really like this person at all that I'm with. And just use a buffer with that to realize that sometimes when we're honest with ourselves, we can be also angry at ourselves for maybe being in the relationship too long in that moment, we start thinking that and see that can project even more negativity on that view in that moment. So time, I like to suggest that once you start to see so much negativity, search for something beautiful about them as well. Like the point isn't just to flip the coin and start looking at all the negative stuff. You still want to look at it in a realistic way. And that's bringing up a polarity view to, to whatever negative you bring up to try to equate that with something that they do do for you that is beautiful or a supportive or something like that. Because the point isn't just to all of a sudden I'm going to start being honest with myself. So I'm only going to look at like this, all this negative stuff I haven't looked at. And many times that's what people will do rather than bringing in that balanced or what I think it was Claire mentioned the 360 degree view that when we're communicating, we can share our vulnerability and our strength. We can say, oh, I'm sorry, what you just said made me feel judged. I'm not saying that that's what you meant. I'm just sharing with you that in my moment of weakness, this is what it made me feel like. And see, it gives that other person the opportunity to say, no, 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 I didn't mean to say it that way. And you can say, yes, I didn't feel that you really did. It's just it triggered me and but i know that you love me i know that you're supportive and i know that you have nothing to gain by belittling me that's that 360 degree view that you're able to share the vulnerability but at the same time you're admitting hey you're just playing a role here you're just activating something in me and to start with that is the beauty to normally start with hey i know you didn't mean to upset me and you probably have a completely different meaning than the way that I just took it, but it just made me feel judged. And thank you for being the beautiful person that you are. And that gives, see that vulnerability gives an opportunity for clarity, but you still express your authentic self while using the practice of the philosophy and the power of the mind to say, but I know, and I trust that this is who you are. Uh, and I'm misunderstanding that from potentially some trauma that I brought in. 
See, to me, that is when you get two people or a group of people talking in 360 degree view, amazing things happen. And that's what I got to visualize and be part of this weekend with my nieces and nephews, three siblings that have three very different views of what was happening, able to share those views, even slightly uh, emotionally vomit on each other and still not take it personally. And, um, uh, you know, I was part of holding space for that to happen, but it was beautiful to observe. Okay. I am uh, a few questions behind. So for those who have, who are asking questions recently, just know that we will get to them. Okay. So no, be quick. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Jenny asked, uh, is there an, ex is there an experience that you can share that speaks of how to calm down a group of people, family, coworkers, uh, that are re all reacting emotionally in a situation that needs to be worked through together and not all people involved are on the same level of conscious communication. Yes. First of all is being successful at being the example. And in this situation, the example is to be centered and calm and still. And a person that truly knows how to do that can manage a whole room full of people in any kind of situation. The problem or the obstacle is, and many people that carry in the human design, the white um, emotional center, and I think that may be the case for Jenny, I'm not sure, that, that we're being influenced by the emotions that uh, these other people are carrying. So utilizing protective tools, whether it's gemstones or sage or whatever it is for those people that are emotionally sensitive because their resistance to get on the same page can create confusion in the person that's trying to so-called hold the space. And this is just something that has to be practiced. So for me, the practice is to learn to stay centered in the family dynamic rather than trying to um, force or lead the conscious communication because the practice to be centered is needed first. And many times we need to play a more passive role to learn to play that, that power role to stay centered and not be emotionally pulled where everybody else is. Because if somebody's not able to hold that stake in the ground, to hold that, that um, groundedness, so to say, it's not likely for that group to get on the same page. And this comes back to one being able to stay emotionally non-reactive and while others are being reactive. So, so just making sure that you're working on learning to be centered in a storm before trying to bring in always conscious communication to the storm, if that makes sense. Get you some water. Can't have you not being able to talk just yet. <laughs> Got a few more questions here. <coughs> okay, uh, Brooke asks, do you have suggestions on how to rate the six priorities uh, when there are some that are very equal in your mind? And I did want to bring up that because um, on my list, uh, we did talk about uh, the couples exercises that you have developed. One is the six priorities of relationships in which uh, you and your partner, I mean, and you, you can do this with other people other than a partner. You can do it with a family member or a close best friend. Um, but you rate the six priorities of where you give your energy to 
and then compare them and see where there could be uh, differences and, and how you give your energy. And it can open up to having uh, very conscious uh, communication and conversations about how you perceive things and where you give your energy to. And, and because if these things aren't brought to light, it can turn into some arguments that you just don't understand why this person does what they do. Um, and then on the most recent episode, we talked about the roles in relationships. So I did want to just briefly mention those that we do have those two types of, of uh, exercises for couples or, or for people to do um, if they're interested in that type of thing. I know I enjoy those types of things, doing, doing exercises. So I feel like if other people are as passionate as me and doing those things, they are out there. Um, and so you can look up the six priorities in relationships. Uh, if you go to wise-wise.com, it is there. Um, I do have the episode... Well, I do have yes, that episode and... somewhere. I was going to give you the number. <clears throat> uh, but anyway, uh, so Alexander, do you have suggestions on how to rate the six priorities when there are some that seem very equal in your mind? So, um, you know, those six priorities are, we'll just go through them, uh, the self, the divine energy, that higher energy, your intimate relationship, your immediate family, your career and then your hobbies or your social life and a shout out to Brooke. Thank you for your question, Brooke. And in rating these, um, that this is part of that, uh, part of the, the practice is that, and the point is to see that some of these are hard to choose between and that, Part of the practice is learning how to put something in front of something else. And so give yourself leeway that there may be certain ones um, like possibly your intimate relationship and your immediate family um, that has to oscillate a little bit. See, these don't have to be stringent like set one time and that's the way that they all they always are the the purpose of the six priorities is just to bring it to your attention we still want to be flexible like the tree in the wind so uh so how i would rate these could be completely different from how someone else could rate them and that's the beauty of it and to have that flexibility that yeah there may be a certain time to where you choose to put the your children or your immediate family in front of your intimate relationship and that may be per situation like this weekend for me to where my family took precedence over many things because uh there was distress there had been a death in the family and so see that meant that my immediate family moved to the top of my list and but that doesn't mean that i I don't visit the divine or I don't think about myself. This is why these priorities are so important and can be helpful because it helps us to remember, oh, I got to remember these other things. I'm putting my immediate family first, but I still got to stay connected to the divine and I still have to remember to take care of myself. And that's what happens is people will jump into these different roles or accept these different priorities and then many times forget or neglect the other ones. 
And the purpose of putting these in order is that when one does jump ahead of the other ones, that you still reminded these other ones are still important here. And this is the order of the importance. So it can help someone stay grounded and centered, especially during a challenging time when things have to be shifted a little bit. So please look at these priorities as flexible and movable per situation, but it's a great practice for you to just get to a point to question, you know what, I don't know whether this goes first or this goes first. And maybe make that part of the practice of today, I'm putting this one before this one. And then maybe the next day, I'm going to reverse it. So that's part of the playfulness uh, of this, because experimentation is a big part of this. But great question, Brooke. And our friend Laurel is out there with what I think is she has a watch party. So she has questions ah, from various people. Yay. Uh, this one's from Jason. As a six of clubs, who has worked hard to get out of a past rut? How do you recognize when you're falling into a rut, not necessarily the same as the past? And ha the past? And how do you course correct if needed? Yes, great question, Jason. Shout out to everybody at the watch party at Laurel's. Thank you, guys. Um, for six of clubs, sixes in, this is the destiny card system, sixes do have the most challenge of uh, getting out of a rut um, because it's about repetition, the six is. But the beauty is, is that when you, how to recognize that you're in a rut is using other people around you as um, as messengers that many times people will point out hey I notice you're doing that a lot or hey I was wondering why you seem to be doing this a lot and we can go into defense right away or justification when that can be just a subtle message coming in just going hey yellow flag you may just want to look at yes the consistency that you're doing this and so paying close attention that whatever the messengers are around us, our emotional reactions to them. And the majority of the time, we don't have to figure that stuff out for ourselves. There are messengers coming in, but many times we will get defensive and we won't, like I said, we will justify it. We won't listen to that messenger. And that's part of uh, one of the pillars being, you know, everyone has something to teach us and every situation has something to teach us if we're willing to look at it from that perspective rather than defending. And once you do see that you're in a, in a pattern, then it's about just intentionally changing the time and the action and realizing that I've got to do this intentionally every day to create a pattern to break this other pattern. So for sixes, much of the life is about just creating patterns and changing the patterns and using those around you to say, hey, keep me aware anytime that you see that I'm getting caught in just a habitual pattern and I'm not aware of consciously what I'm doing. And that's, that can be, that person can be an asset rather than a nag. <laughs> and that's how we can, we can shift the energy of what some people call a nag to simply be a messenger. And when you get the message, guess what? Those people, those naggers, normally they stop nagging or they go find somebody else to nag if they're just, if that's part of their personality. But great question on the challenge of breaking patterns. And uh, when, when he says a rut, it brought me back to an episode we did uh, on how to cultivate self-discipline and productivity <laughs> which is when I talked about getting in a rut of just allowing myself to have low energy and not have that driven spirit. 
Um, and so if anybody out there wants to listen to that episode, that's episode 43. And thank you to Jenny out there for getting the episode number for the six priorities in relationships. And that is Beautiful. episode 48. Beautiful. Um, another question from uh, Laurel's listening party. <laughs> How do you know when it's time for the next stage in a relationship? Well, first of all, relationships many times uh, do follow cycles. And the first one I like to say is two years, but then it goes to five years, five-year cycles. And at five years and 10 years and 15 years, many times there's just an energy that comes up in general for both parties to check in to see if they're really still in this for the right reasons. And this is where the priorities can come in, why discussing um, – you know, the four different roles in relationships, because as we get older at different stages, we want to play different roles. And this happens, this is more prevalent normally with the female energy uh, to where, you know, childbearing's involved and things like that. So, so that's why the flexitive, the flexibility and uh, consistency is, is both important. And the biggest answer to that question is knowing internally being as clear as you possibly can in what you're really looking to get for yourself out of life and then how you're looking to utilize your relationship to enhance that. And then the next question is how you are looking to enhance whatever your partner is looking to do in their life. And if you have a truth come about to where you don't feel like there's going to be enhancement happening, then more than likely there's going to be destruction involved. And so, so it's very challenging in this individual and of course doing uh, relationship compatibility reports and seeing where a person, two people are specifically in the year that they are presently in can help answer many of these questions but just to be, to be more specific, but in general, it's getting clear of you and what you want out of life, then getting clear in you and what you want out of relationship, and then getting clear in what your relationship is needing support in as well, and how well you can play that role. Um, and these things that we're discussing, the six priorities and those types of things are just good good things to kind of help sort these type of things out. But the most important thing is getting clear within yourself what you're looking for your experience in life to be. And most people don't take the time to get clear in that. And that doesn't always come right away. It can take, once again, weeks, months, years to come to that realization. But the important thing is putting the intention into it just to consistently uh, visit it each day. Okay. Uh, in wrapping up, I did want to ask one more question. Um, I feel it's important. Uh, oftentimes we receive messages from source, the divine God in many different ways. Uh, in your uh, perspective, Alexander, how do we know when we're receiving these messages or, or what kind of tips can you give us for us to listen a little closely and, you know, when to take something a little more serious than just, it's just something that somebody's saying to me. Yes. Well, this is a great, great question. I think we did do a podcast on it, but I don't remember if we. I think we touched upon it in one. It. Yeah. Maybe three or four months ago. <laughs> yes. Because 
there's an art to everything and following signs is one of those. What I like to suggest to people is pay attention to your wants because your wants like our emotions dictate your ability to perceive clearly. And by clearly, I mean the way something truly organically or authentically is happening rather than through a filter of what's happening. And if you're emotional, say you're angry, then everything that you are viewing is going through the filter of anger. If you're sad, everything that you're viewing or experiencing or hearing is going through the filter of sadness. So learning to follow signs or even use a pendulum, the only reason that I started using a pendulum, uh, I don't know, 12 or 13 years ago, because I didn't believe in it, was I finally come across a teacher that said, said pendulum work is absolutely useless unless you can get clear that you don't have a preference. And see, that fell in alignment with my teaching of living non-preference. That if you have a preference at all, any tool that you use or any sign that's given will be misinterpreted. The only way to truly, potentially, the only way to truly trust one's intuition or message is to check in and see if you truly have no preference of what's being suggested or the message. If you do, then to simply maybe say to spirit or source or just out loud to give it vibration to say, okay, I got that message. That's in alignment of what I want. I see that preference. So let me ask the universe, please give me another message as I go in working on non-preference so that you can understand that, that message more clearly. And, some, and then another help is to ask someone else, just in general, and you don't always have to give details, but just say, hey, how would you interpret this message? Like, for instance, if a snake uh, crawls across your driveway and you see it, see, if somebody's in fear, they could go, oh, that's death and transformation. That's, that's scary. But... It could just mean that, no, there's time for something uh, within yourself to, to shed, to get rid of. So see that person that goes into fear about the snake, they could tell their friend, oh, I'm so scared that somebody I know is going to die because that's, you know, that can be interpreted that way. And their friend could say, but it could just mean a part of you needs to be uh, let go of. There's, there's part of you that you need to shed. And so, so helping to get that other perspective can maybe help balance that. And this, like anything else, reading signs is done through practice. The more you fail, the better you will get at it. But the very first uh, true skill is to learn to practice non-preference. And that doesn't, that means that when you recognize that you have a preference, that you simply take time to be still, some do it in meditation, and work to get to a point of non-preference. Say, hey, I recognize that I have a preference. Now let me get to a point of non-preference and get back into trust and everything's in divine order, whether I know it or not, which is connected to our first pillar. And let me make sure that I'm seeing this clearly outside of my wants. The way that messages ring true to me is the majority of the time the messages that I receive are messages that I'm not really looking for or messages that I really don't prefer. And for me, that helps me to recognize more authenticity 
And then it's about me working on acceptance. So if your signs are leading you toward the direction that you want to be going, then you may be misreading those signs. You may not. But if you get clear on, I'm completely happy whether this happens or not. I'm completely happy whether this person comes into my life or not. That's the practice. Then you will be able to read the signs much more clearly. So I hope that answers that question. I would, I would also add in, uh, and from my experiences, um, sometimes a friend will say something and it will be so unlike something they would ever say. Exactly. Or a stranger just comes up and says something and you, you're like, you kind of stand there like, what, why, did, why would they say that to me? Right. Or even somebody may also say, they'll say something to you and, and then say, I don't know why I said that. Exactly. Yes, that's, that's a great sign, and I'm so glad that you brought that up. We've discussed that in the past, and that is a direct sign that somebody is playing a role, and there's a message getting to you when you hear that, I don't know why I just said that, or I don't know why I just did that. That's a ding, ding, ding. This is happening in front of me for a reason. Um, and, and that's where that self-reflection and getting to that non-preference, because many times that is given and resistance comes up. And that's where justification and all that. And that's why so many messages are lost because of, once again, preferences. And people many times are justifying and defending things that they're just not allowing the message that's trying to bring their life into more alignment because they're too busy resisting it. They're resisting the message. So once again, question the message when it's what you want. And, and dive deeper into the messages that you want to defend and justify. And I just, I want to say how grateful I am that uh, for everybody who's, who's listened in today, who's given their energy comments, questions. Um, this is, I don't know, this has been great for me. I was just reflecting on how much I love interacting on the back end, asking you questions, Alexander, being a part of this, but also interacting with people while it's going on. Yes. And, and I know it's like a mind thing, but keeping my mind engaged in all these, also looking at the analytics because I love numbers and things like that. So it does feed me to do this. But, but again, like the energy tonight, I know we are broadcasting across five different places. And sometimes when people, you know, tune in, they're like, oh, there's only like three or four people in this. But, but do know that we, we are broadcasting throughout five. And there's so many people out there interacting that uh for me seeing it all in one chat feed it's it's been great it's been full and and hard to uh keep track of all the questions and comments so i just i i just love um and we just got a message from restream saying congratulations we've received 100 messages today so we just hit a milestone so i do want to send sincere appreciation to everybody for joining us um just i don't know i just really 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 appreciate your energy and interest Yes, and, and my deep thanks as well. Uh, this has been, you know, long term time in process. We do pride ourselves on having a complete system here that I've been working on for over 26 years. And the whole concept is to help people to come to resolutions, to have a solution oriented way of progressing through life, and that there is a way to get to clear answers, uh, given enough time. And so, uh, so yes, thank you to everybody that that participated we've we've that's why we brought this out was to have this kind of inclusion uh please join our wise wise podcast community let's keep the vibe going through 
through the uh, social media and keep this stream of just looking to help each other, uh, see different perspectives, to gain tools and how to relate and to become our authentic selves. And, and there's not judgment involved in any of that. So this uh, vulnerability is a big part of it. Hopefully Aaron and myself exemplify that vulnerability and uh, we welcome you all in to, to walk this path together. So let's continue to grow together. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, everybody.